know if you guys could hear that, but that was an ad for Blues Brothers Coffee that was being hawked by Dan Aykroyd. And man, I, I love the man, but might be a bit of a whore. Anyway, what's going up? What's going up? What's up, guy? What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Say It Again podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kane. And if you look around, we got a bit of a new setup here. I, I've been playing around with some things. Uh, <clears throat> my lighting is still a little bit whack. There's some weird backlight back here, and the light's a little too obvious. I need a light over here, too. I'm playing with it, guys. Bear with the terrible lighting. This doesn't matter to the audio listeners at all, but just a heads up. <laughs> I changed the setup, and uh, you can see it on youtube.com slash pod. Anyway, how's it going, guys? It's been a, been a, been a minute this time, huh? It's been a bit of a long hiatus this time. I posted this banger tweet. This banger tweet that said something along the lines of, you can track my depressive episodes by my lack of frequency of uploads with the podcast. And that's true. I've been kind of dealing with some stuff. But recently, man, all right, let's just get the let's just get the elephant out of the room here, guys. Uh, the world shut down. That's pretty wild. Uh, that's fucking crazy and I was thinking about this earlier like this is the biggest thing that I think has ever happened in most of our lifetime most of our lifetimes this is like the biggest worldwide thing like the boomers had world war ii <laughs> this is our world war ii no it's just weird because it really does affect every aspect of life every single aspect of life like I don't know if you guys remember the last episode about a year ago uh I like to go to the movie theater a lot I actually have my um hold up I actually have my ticket stubs from 2020 and um god damn it i'm really sad i want to see more movies but what was the last movie i saw actually uncut gems i think yeah uncut gems and that was in fucking february jesus this is spooky man and i'm not gonna spend this whole episode talking about the coronavirus but it's whack and the wackest part is that I feel like people are running out of content. <laughs> people are running out of content because, you know, we all have our Netflix lists. You know, we all have our lists that we're going to, you know, we add to on these things and we'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll go back to that eventually. We'll 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 eventually watch that. Well, now jokes on you that <laughs> people are always like <laughs> people are always like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely watch that if I'm ever forced to <laughs> if I'm ever you know, hypothetically, uh, forced to be locked inside my house for months on end. Uh, and so now we have time to do, now we have time to watch shit, which is cool. Uh, you know, the big meme right now is the Tiger King. I haven't watched it because last time I, I watched like a Netflix property that got memed to death, it was Bird Box and Bird Box is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life, actually. So I'm kind of waiting on the, the Tiger King hype to die down because that's what I did with Bird Box. And so, if it's bad, I can meme about it after it's not relevant, which will be nice. And I'm drinking green tea for those watching and listening at home. I'm drinking green tea. This is actually the earliest I've ever done a podcast before. It is... <laughs> it's 1230. Man, it's so early. It's so fucking early. I can't wake up, dude. <laughs> I legit thought it was like 10 o'clock. Wow. Man, I gotta start sleeping. I gotta wake up earlier, guys. This is bad. Anyway, in light of the quarantine, I thought I might do a fun little thing where I uh, talk about a couple recommendations that I have. Like I said, we're burning through our lists. We're running out of podcasts. We're running out of shows. 
we're out of shit to watch and read and listen to. So I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd share some things that I've been fucking with recently. And I'm not saying that this is like, oh, you have to watch this or you're a bad person. This is just this. It's simply <laughs> shit that I fuck with that I'm going to tell you about that then maybe you'll fuck with too. And if not, I mean, go fuck yourself. Like, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? No, um, so, okay, so I've got a couple things, and I apologize for looking off to the right here, but this is where my monitor is, and I wrote the list down. So let me pull this up really fast, and we'll get right into it. First thing, I'm going to give you a couple recommendations here for movies and books, and uh, I'll even talk about a show. So we'll just burn through these really quick, because i got something I want to talk about really quick. I'm actually going to try and keep episodes shorter now these days, guys. I'm going to try and keep it under a half hour, because... Last time I did an hour-long podcast, I wanted to die in the edit because <clears throat> my uh, camera only shoots for 20 minutes at a time or 25 minutes at a time or 27. It's some stupid random number, and I had to splice together like four clips and sync the audio. It was a bitch. So we're doing short episodes now, guys. Sorry. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> First up, it's a couple things that maybe you guys have seen or at least heard of, but I wanted to talk a little bit about... I've been getting into... Um, Ever since Parasite won Best Picture, and you guys, if you guys remember, I, I really enjoyed Parasite, and I love that director. I thought he could just just made that shit look so cool. Anyway, Bong Joon-ho is his name, and he directed this movie called Snowpiercer, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen. It's the one with uh, it's the <laughs> the way I would describe it to my friends is it's the one on the train with Chris Evans. And what's fucked is that you guys probably know what I'm talking about too, based on that description alone. And if you don't, I'll go a little deeper. Uh, it's like uh, it's like global warming ruined the world, froze the world over, and now all of humanity is on a train that's just going around the world billion times, and just that's that's the whole human society. And uh, it's really interesting. It's very visually interesting. I think the story is interesting. It's all about kind of class, and like it's it's very good. But what's interesting to me is that, and what I was thinking about when I was watching it was that movie was made in 2013. And the Korean cinema wasn't really recognized until like the last year or two, or last couple of years, I would say. <clears throat> and so it's so interesting to see Bong Joon-ho come in and make this movie and mix together such interesting influences from Western and Eastern cultures. Because it's like we have the dad from Parasites in it, whose name I don't remember. Sorry, I'm an asshole. And you got Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer, and you got that all just kind of mixed together in this story that feels very much like it's got a lot of Korean influence and it's got a lot of American influence and it's so interesting it really feels like Bong Joon-ho was out of his time at that point because man because I really think that's the way that things are going to be going in the in the whole worldwide um, cinema uh, marketplace I think that's where things are going to be going I think we're going to see a lot more uh, eastern influences like I mean just look at Fucking look at how much money their blockbusters make. You you know that movie? This is another recommendation. The Wandering Earth. Great movie. Uh, it's about these scientists who realize the sun's going to explode in like 100 years. Or the sun's going to blow up. The sun's going to supernova 150 years. And so they're like, fuck, what do we do? Are we going to build arcs? Are we going to fly humans off? They're like, no, we're going to push the whole fucking Earth into another solar system. <laughs> and that's what they do. They build 10,000 super gigantic engines on the Earth and they just push this bitch to another solar system and you know they're all like oh it'll take like a thousand years to get there but it'll be fine and they have this uh, navigation uh, space station kind of leading the way it's really good and it's really 
I don't know. When I look at big blockbuster movies, I tend to look more towards something like that, where it's like you got an interesting story, you got an interesting character, you got an interesting idea. Because, you know, you think of the word blockbuster and you think of Transformers, but I don't know, man. The whole uh, Chinese, Korean, all that, the, the Eastern the Eastern film market, fascinating. And I would highly recommend Wandering Earth is actually on Netflix, too. But let's get back to Snowpiercer. Um, it's just so interesting because I really think we're going to see more um, representation for uh, Korean actors. Like, um, <laughs> we're going to have so much representation that I'm going to remember the dude's name and not just say, the dad from Parasite. And that'll be nice. But it's so interesting seeing that happen in 2013 when now, however many, what is it, eight years ago? <laughs> now, eight years later, Parasite wins Best Picture. What are you going to do? Wacky stuff, guys, I'm telling you. You know what? I'm actually going to throw another recommendation on here since I'm on um, I'm on the uh, Korean binge right now. Uh, Train to Busan. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen it. That's also on Netflix. These are all going to be on Netflix, by the way. Uh, that's on Netflix, and it's it's really good. It's probably the best zombie movie I, of the last 10 years. It's about a man uh, bringing his daughter to, Bus- to Busan on a train. So title kind of speaks for itself. It's 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 good stuff. I highly recommend it. It's intense. It's scary. It's emotional. It really is just the best of everything. And the zombies are spooky too, dude. Not to go on a side tangent here, but I would just kill myself in a zombie apocalypse when the zombies are running. That's it for me. I'm I'm out, guys. That's that's gonna do it for me. Slow moving walking dead zombies. I could definitely I could chill with that for a little bit. I'm not saying I'd want to, you know, necessarily survive because I, you know, like movies too much and I like the internet. And so living in a world without any of that would be kind of suck. But running zombies, no, I'm out at that point. I wonder what the apocalypse. Hold up. I'm going to look this up. I'm on a side tangent now and I'll get back to my main point here in a moment. I wonder what kind of apocalypses I could survive. Nuclear apocalypse? No. Definitely wouldn't make it through that. Zombies? Maybe. Like I said, slow I could probably I could probably handle. Uh vampire zombie vampire zombie. Vampire apocalypse. Alright, well we'll we'll talk about this another time. Um up next, uh, books. You like books? I like books. I don't read enough, but I like books. So let me recommend some books to you guys. Uh, three of my favorite books of all time uh, are also really depressing, but they're amazing. Uh, Great Gatsby. It's a classic. Everyone's, I'm sure everyone's read it. I had to read it in high school. And, uh, you know, when you go to high school, and when you go to high school, <laughs> when you be going to high school, um, you, uh, you're forced to read all these books, and that makes you not appreciate them nearly as much, which I think was always kind of a flaw in the education system. Look at me. I'm Rush Limbaugh now, guys. Uh, but I always thought that was kind of a flaw in the education system because that's like, hey, you know these great, amazing classic books? Well, you have to read them. I don't know if that really makes a lot of sense. It should, if I could do it off the top of my head, if I could make an entire new <laughs> school system, I'd maybe make it like a pool of books where it's like, hey, here's like 10 classics. Pick, you know, three. And then, you know, you're going to read read those and write reports on them and all that shit. It's way more work for the teacher, I just realized. But that's what I'm saying. I'm just off the top of my head. I would do something like that. I don't know if I'd be like, hey, you're going to read The Scarlet Letter. Hey, you're going to read Frankenstein. Hey, you're going to read The the Crucible. I'm trying to remember all the books they had us read in high school. Hey, you're going to read 
the great Gatsby. Hey, you're going to read all these things when in, and look, I didn't like the great Gatsby when I first read it because I had to, but now I'm 67 and I I've read books after high school in that time. And I've read the great Gatsby and I think it's a great story. I think it's great. Now, granted, I'm a bit of a dumbass, so I can't exactly push through my tiny little brain how they used to write back in those days. So I get lost sometimes personally, but that's just me being an idiot. Maybe you guys can appreciate it more, but I think Great Gatsby is one of the best just tales, just best stories of the last dec or last decade. Yep. You know the Great Gatsby was written in 2010, right? Uh, up next is uh oh, what was the other one? No, it was okay, so Slaughterhouse Five is another one of my favorite books. I'd probably call Slaughterhouse Five my favorite book, honestly, at this at this where I'm at right this second, I'd probably call Slaughterhouse Five my favorite book. Fantastic. It's about um the bombing of Dresden. <laughs> It is. And it, well, okay, so it's about a guy, Billy Pilgrim, I think is his last name. It's been a sec since I've read it. This guy named Billy who uh, travels through time, but involuntarily. So, like, he'll be walking around, and then the next thing he knows, he's back in World War II. Or, like, A, he's back on his wedding day, and just out of nowhere. He can't control it. He'll just feel like a pulling, and then he'll just, like, whoa, I'm at my wedding day, or whoa, I'm at my thing. And, uh, the writer Kurt Vonnegut brings up this very interesting he has such an interesting way of like viewing time because uh, Billy gets kidnapped by these aliens uh, now it's a weird book but it's just fantastic and it really is just heart-wrenching at times but he gets kidnapped by these aliens whose names I cannot pronounce I'm just going to put their name up right here if you're watching this you can try and spell it out I'm not going to these aliens they experience time simultaneously kind of like dr manhattan if you guys have read watchmen which is another one of my favorite books but it's very depressing um they experience time simultaneously so whenever someone dies they're never sad they're like hey you know at the same time that i'm watching my friend die at the same time i'm still experiencing all their all our memories together which i think is a really interesting way to um to look at things it's actually the same kind of uh kind of thinking as the movie Arrival, which I guess was book two, but you know what I'm saying. If you want to see it done visually very interesting, um, Arrival is probably a good idea. But I would highly recommend Slaughterhouse-Five. It's funny. It's deep. It's sad. It's interesting. And uh, you guys should fucking read it. Anyway, last book recommendation, and then we'll be done with Anthony Looks of Books here, is uh, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which... Man, that's tough. Choosing these three out, choosing my favorite out of these three is tough. I was so confident in Slaughterhouse Five, and now that I think back on the road, here's the thing about the road. You know, plot twist. It's very depressing, but it's written so well because what Cormac McCarthy does is he presents you this world, this post-apocalyptic world. Because the book is all about a man and his son trying to get to the coast, traveling across the a destroyed United, uh, destroyed U.S. Uh, it's it's not said what it just assume it's like fallout <laughs> no it's it's like it's basically just like just a, some apocalypse something happened we don't know it's not important it's about what happens and so they're trying to get to the coast and the whole thing with the coast is they're like oh well you know once we get to the coast you know there's it's the ocean so it's gonna be a lot clearer over there because like this world is miserable like you think of post-apocalypses like think about the fallout universe fallout universe is fun in a way it's dark but it's fun i could i could see myself chilling there for a little bit the road is just sad. There's ash on everything. Like they have to wear like four face masks. And like one of the biggest things they talk about is like shoes. And uh, one of the big things is that they keep, they have to keep finding these shoes because there's no cars or anything. So they're walking. And so like the sun has like 
or what is it? It's like the dad has these paper or plastic bags like wrapping his feet. And then he has like these shitty, like barely held together Nikes or something. It's so sad. But the thing is, is that he, Cormac McCarthy puts you in this world and immerses you in it so hard that you just feel everything these characters go through. Like every single loss, every single win, everything they go through, you feel it. And it's insanely rewarding. There's this part where, there's this part where they, um, they find like this big cache of like food and supplies, right? And oh my God, that's the happiest I've ever felt reading a book in my entire life. Like I read that and I was like, oh my God, they made, they fucking something good happened to these people. Or like when some really dark shit happens, which I'm not going to spoil because it's fucked up. And, and you're just like, man, that's a thing that's happening. You'll know what I'm talking about when you read it. Anyway, Cormac McCarthy, The Road. I highly recommend it. This has been Anthony looks at shit, looks at books. This is Anthony recommends. Just some stuff to keep in mind, guys, while we're uh, all cooped up. And guys, stay cooped up. You know, I don't have to tell you guys. You guys are smart. I'm checking my notes really quick. You guys are smart. Just stay inside. Don't be an asshole. Don't cough on people. Just. I saw this great tweet. It was like, the sooner you all sit down, the sooner we all can leave. And honestly, that's the best way to put it. So the last thing I want to talk about is uh, something important to me. And I'll I'll finish this up in the the next 10 minutes here. But uh, let me tell you a story. So the day I'm recording this is April 3rd. And the thing about April 3rd is that the thing about April 3rd, 2020, is that it is the 10-year anniversary of the very first episode of Doctor Who with Matt Smith. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I, I kind of am a little bit of a fan of Doctor Who. Or at least I was. And see, that's the thing. I, I used to think I was a fan of the show in total, but in recent years, I've more begun to realize that each time the Doctor regenerates, and for those who don't know, Doctor Who is this long-running sci-fi series it's been going on for like fucking like almost 60 years at this point like it's stupid how long the show's been going on it should have ended a while ago but you know we wouldn't have had the great the great shit um so every time an actor wants to leave they have this uh great mcguffin they have this great uh deus ex machina where whenever the doctor gets killed they'll regenerate and become like new face new personality all that stuff but they'll still be the same character it's kind of hard to explain and I'm not sure I fully get it, but they're still the same character, the Doctor, but the new personality, new looks, new all that, new outlook. It's really interesting. Like the best parallel I always go back to is um, after Matt Smith left, Peter Capaldi came on and he played like a kind of he played the Doctor a little bit more like a bitter old man at first, which I kind of liked because it was a good shift from uh, Matt Smith being the the fairy tale boy and uh, to uh, Scrooge basically and I, I I really dug it anyway I began to realize that every doctor incarnation is kind of like a new show in a way that's kind of the way I'm starting to view it and so I'm less a fan of Doctor Who and more a fan of that microcosm of time just that little Matt Smith Peter Capaldi era but we're talking about the Matt Smith era right now and I was way I was so into the Matt Smith era let me tell you guys about my high school experience briefly I'm not going to get into my high school experience now. We'll save that for when I get some guests on here, right? Uh, I was a bit of a loser, a bit of a wallflower, a bit of a quiet boy. The funniest thing is um, whenever my go-to story is that um, I was friends with two of like the coolest people in school. And so whenever I'd be walking anywhere with any of, with either of them, uh, people would greet them and uh, not me. 
Which is true, and uh, don't feel bad for me. It's not worth being sad over. But freshman year rolls around. We start high school. I discover the show, Doctor Who. I'm like, holy shit. Because the very first episode I ever saw was David Tennant's last. Because they were showing the end of time, part one and two, and then they jumped right into the 11th hour, which was Matt Smith's first episode. They, um, oh, how'd it go? So I watched those, and I was like, damn. That's a solid show. Let's see where the new guy goes. And then I fell in love with that whole season. And series five of Doctor Who is probably my favorite. Just because I think it's such a such a solid, combined, perfect season. You know? To me, at least. I love all the characters. I love all the stories. I love everything about it. I really do. I think that's a piece of perfect television. Like the first season of Westworld, there's these little things that are just perfect pieces of television. Like the first season of Westworld, series five of Doctor Who, um, Undone, which I'll recommend at some point, you know, just shit like that. Like season, like the, oh, there was one season of Bojack Horseman that really got to me. I think it was season two. You see my point basically, but this show affected me so much and meant so much to me because I forced the show on all my friends. I forced it on everyone who talked to me. And the thing was, I found all these weird parallels between like the show and my life at the time because, you know, starting a new adventure, the doctor regenerates. I went into high school. There's a hot redhead. I dated a redhead in high school for a sec, you know, stuff like that. But in a bigger sense, the show kind of helped me deal with change. And I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned from it because I used to get really bugged by the, the way that they were taking the show. Cause they changed a lot after season five and six, just kind of changed a little too much for my liking. I didn't like that. And I was like, I oh, fucking show sucks. And, but I have, I kept watching every fucking episode, but <laughs> I complained about it so much. And then looking back, I just kind of realized that, man, the show is really setting me up for life. The one thing that's guaranteed to make me cry every single time I watch it is Matt Smith's last episode. Still, to this day, I haven't watched it in about three years because I know it'll just ruin me. I guarantee if I put it on right now on my on my screen, I would be bawling on the camera, which I'm not going to do because no one needs to see that because it's an ugly cry because, man, that just brings up so many emotions and memories and shit. Oh, man, it's bad. Um, oh, shit. You know what? Really quick. I don't know if you guys can see this on the camera, but this is my copy of season five. And I don't know if you can see how bonk this shit is. Like, this shit is busted. Like, we watched the shit out of this. Like, there was a time where I would go to my friend John's house. I would go to his house, like, every other weekend. And we would just watch the entire season. That, we did that so many times. And it's just weird knowing that it's ten years later. And it's just, still means a lot to me in, a, in different ways. It's just still very special to me. So let me tell you a quick story and then we'll wrap this up. I used to go to Comic-Con a lot and I have great Comic-Con stories that I'll tell you guys at some point. But for right now, we're going to talk about one. This was 2013, I think. Comic-Con 2013 or 14. 2013 because we were still in high school. John and I went. We uh, went. We stayed in Old Town, San Diego. It was great. Uh, If you can ever get to Comic-Con, I would recommend it. But, you know, just know that you're going to be dropping a lot of money. And I'd call it worth it personally. So we're doing a, um, what day is it? It's like Saturday or it's like Friday. And I'm reading the, uh, I'm reading the panel list and I'm like, oh fuck, Dr. Who's they're doing a, it was for season seven, I think. Yeah. Series seven. I was like, oh fuck, Dr. Who's they're here. Like Matt Smith, Arthur Darville and my girl, Karen Gillen. For those who don't know, 
I've actually been in love with Karen Gillan since I first saw her in 2010. So we're on the 10 year anniversary of my crush. So that's great. Let's see if I'll ever meet her. What would I do if I met her? I don't know. Anyway, they were doing a signing after the panel because the thing with the panel is that it was in Hall H. And Hall H, for those who don't know, holds 6,000 people and is impossible to get into. Like it, the line's like legit miles and miles long. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to get into the panel. I'm going to get into the signing. If I can meet Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and Arthur Darvill and Stephen Moffat all at the same time, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. I would have, golly, that would have been whack. But I just spoiled the story. That would have been whack. So what happened was I woke up at, ooh, 7 in the morning, took the trolley down to uh, the convention center, and got my ass in line because here's the thing about this drawing. For the big signings they'll uh, they'll do line drawings which and this is get ready for this guys you stand in line to pull a raffle ticket and if you get the right ticket uh you get into the signing and so you know you pull like oh you got a blue paper you're in the signing or oh you pulled a red paper oh you're not sorry about that man you know shit like that i stood in line because i i went in to find the line and i was like hey where's the line and they're like oh there it is or like just follow this one to the end. I went out from the main sales pavilion, down these stairs, across a street, and then down what felt like most of the convention center <laughs> to the end of the line. And um, if I can find the picture of the line that I had, I'll, I'll post it right here. But uh, if if <laughs> I stood in the line for uh, two hours, two and a half hours, and uh, it was kind of rain, you know, when I tell the story to embellish it, I'm like, it was pouring rain, it was sprinkling, it was obnoxious, and I was standing on a curb waiting to possibly maybe get into a signing where I would meet my heroes. And um, here's the punchline. I get all the way to, let's say, maybe 30 people before the very edge, and they cancel it, or they call it off because they're like, all right, everyone got all the drawings. Go fuck yourselves, basically. And that was a little bit heartbreaking. But uh, I kind of bummed around in the in the main pavilion for a little bit, and I was waiting for John to show up because I got, like I said, I got there super early in the morning. So he he got there. We linked up, and uh, I was like, I didn't get in. He's like, Oh man, I'm really sorry about that. I'm like, Fucking me too, dude. Could you imagine if I'd met all of them, especially one Karen? <laughs> Don't worry about her. She's completely armless. Kill myself. Uh, so. We're in the pavilion, and then I'm like, you know what? Let's just see if we can, like, go see them. <laughs> and uh, let's just go see if we can, like, just go peep a sign, peep a, get a sight, you know? And I, I always think about, and so we did. We, we went out. I saw a bit of Matt Smith's hair, and I didn't see Karen at all. So I've still never seen her in real life, so she could not exist for all I know. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to be dramatic, I would compare it to that one hero speech that Matt, Matt, Aunt May, Aunt May has in Spider-Man 2 where she's like oh you stood in the rain to catch a glimpse of the person who told you to hold on a second longer and I did I don't think of it quite dramatically but yeah that is kind of what happened these people who inspired me and who I loved and I didn't get to meet them but hey it was nice it was a fun experience and it was a fun story and now watching them right now they're all live tweeting all of them Matt Smith, Arthur Darville, Karen Gillan, uh, Stephen Moffat, the producer of that episode and the director. They're all live tweeting it right now. And uh, it's nice. It's like seeing some old friends. 
You know, it's like seeing some friends that you haven't seen in a long time. And I'm filled with the same feeling that I will be filled with when I can go outside and see my friends and we can go to a bar, kick back when the world opens up again. And I didn't plan that to tie together so well, but it did. So listen, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. We'll get another episode out as soon as possible. I got some dumb shit planned for some episodes. I figure I got all the time in the world now, so we'll just uh, keep pumping out some eps here, boys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you join us again next time when you... when. Let me try this again. I haven't done it in a while. Hold up. Sorry. I hope you'll join us next week when we say it again.